In this episode, Nelson Nash and I discuss life, history, and economics. All right, so there's real money and there's funny money out there tracking uh, side by side. Well, uh, I can demonstrate uh, that uh, I've never uh, paid uh, income tax in my life. Uh, I wrote about this in banknotes some time ago that uh, 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 from uh, Social Security, uh, see, I'm 87 years old at this point. From Social Security, my wife and I uh, get uh, more money than we pay in taxes. Well, is that money that they give us, Social Security, is that real money or is that funny money? That's funny money. All right. <laughs> so uh, every uh, 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 month I, uh, from those two sources, uh, we get about $3,400 a month. Now, how do we do that? Well, we waited till 71 before we ever applied for the stuff. Yeah. See, every year that you put off uh, getting it past normal retirement age, mm -hmm. the, uh, the rate increases 8%. Well, 8% on top of uh, what it was last year, what now we're back to the tree rings, aren't we? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So that money comes in, and every quarter I send them uh, uh, $2,500 back, uh, $5,000 back uh, of their funny money. So <laughs> <laughs> Social Security is a tax. You well, pay Social Security, all those working yeah. years. Yeah, couple with the fact, couple with the, couple with the fact that I haven't mentioned the fact that um, I uh, flew L, flew airplanes for the Army National Guard for uh, 28 years, and so uh, I have a thousand and nine dollars per month that comes in from that uh, source. Now, is that real money or is that funny money? That's funny money. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now, uh, how did I uh, acquire that uh, uh, funny money? Well, I I flew air I flew airplanes for twenty eight years. Now, what I got uh, paid for flying airplanes with the uh, with the Alabama Army National Guard uh, was way more than I ever paid in income tax. Was that real money or was that funny money? Back when you were getting paid? Yes. For doing the service? Yeah. That was real money. Where did, they get, where, did, where did they get the real money to pay me? You tell, <coughs> you tell me, where, where did they get the real money to pay me, huh? They printed it up out of thin air. Okay, all right. It's funny money. <laughs> so... <laughs> so Anyway, so people say, yeah, but you had to fly them dang airplanes for the uh, for the National Guard. Say, so, yeah, and you all, you play golf too, don't you? <laughs> you spend a ton of, money, of real money uh, on golf clubs and fees and trips and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I flew airplanes as a hobby. And 
I have played golf and I've flown airplanes and flying airplanes is a whole lot more fun. <laughs> I bet. That was just my hobby. <laughs> Funny world, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> it is. So money turning over 30 to 100 times. Yeah. Uh-huh. In Tulsa, their money didn't leave their economy. No. No, exactly. And so they accumulated, piled up wealth, goods and services. Yeah. All right. Now we've we've had this conversation many times over the last few years. Yeah. And uh at one point the uh and now I'm you know, I'm fifty five. I was I was born in nineteen sixty three. So double nickel. <laughs> yeah, all this <laughs> but I'm a student of history. Okay. Yeah. And so Hallelujah. And, Right. And have been all my life. I got kind of triggered about 15, 16 years ago when I thoroughly accepted the fact that I had been studying revisionist history my whole life. Yeah. It ticked me off pretty good. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm over it, but I'm Irish and Scottish, so I carry a grudge. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, whenever... You know, when, when we got past Tulsa, you know, because at one time black people couldn't shop in yeah, right. stores and things, right? Right, yeah. So uh, when when the time came that they could shop outside of their own community, you know, just like a, a child, if you tell a child they can't have something, yeah. well, that's kind of what they want. Yeah, right, uh-huh. right yeah. Now, as soon as they could, in my opinion, right from what I can see, when when the black people could shop outside of their community, they did. Yeah. And then the money turned over one or two. <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, literally, um, we can create uh, an environment and control it where our yeah. money doesn't have to leave our personal economy until it turns over sure. many times. Sure, that's uh, that's the whole object, as I see it, of life insurance is because uh, that's real money. Uh, you know, uh, I meet this guy named James Nether, and uh, he's a life insurance agent and whatnot, and he tells me about the glories of life insurance and uh, stuff like that, and so forth. And I say, God, boy, that is a good idea. I like to buy some of that stuff. Well, uh, I we'll have to come up with a plan. And we'd have to fill out some paperwork and stuff like that. Now, to, to instigate the plan, uh, what have I got to do, James? Somebody got I've to got to, I've got to give you some money. Well, what kind of money is that, sir? Real money, please. <laughs> yes. I had to provide goods and services to be able to do that, one or the other. Well, you get compensated for it because you, you deserve it and whatnot. Uh, uh, that's real money going to you. Well, you know, those home office folks, uh, uh, you know, they, they know, don't have sense, no sense of humor at all. They uh, de- demand on getting paid. Well, so they get some of that real money. But good grief, the amount of money that goes to you and to those folks is infinitesimal in compared with uh, what happens the rest of it there. You go downtown uh, Fifth Avenue and 20th Street, Birmingham, uh, there's uh, four buildings on that corner there, of course. 
and three out of four are either owned or financed by equitable life. So they put that money, uh, that real money to work uh, in those uh, buildings. Well, how do they get uh, compensated for it? Office rent, well, what kind of money is that that they got? Huh? Real money. And so people don't understand this at all. Uh, they've been tricked and they don't understand it. But uh, you, you know, when you go back there and look at what they're really going on in the big play, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the international banker types that you know all about, that uh, the puppet masters that have created all this evil stuff. Uh, they're the ones that uh, created uh, in, the, in the supply of money. Uh, you know, just in the last few years, uh, I have uh, learned all about uh, the 1890s and so forth, about uh, what happened uh, in South Africa, that there was Cecil Rhodes and there's Alfred Milner, and there was uh, Nanny uh, uh, Rothschild and W.T. Stead and the fifth guy, I can't remember but they were creating this secret society that would uh, take over the world uh, because they thought that was the greatest idea that ever came along, that the British Empire uh, was uh, the, the, uh, the way to go. And they were at the peak of their power at that particular time. Well, uh, that led to the Boer War, which I had heard about. But uh, I didn't know anything about it, but I've learned big time about uh, the Boer War as a result of that. And that should never have happened. Good Lord, what a horrible idea. Well, if you're king of the mountain, James, uh, what is your biggest fear? Somebody's gonna knock you off. Somebody's gonna displace you. Well, uh, Germany, as we know it today, is uh, only since 1871. Before that, it was fragmented uh, areas uh, like uh, the Hanseatic League. There was Prussia. There was, uh, oh, golly, what's down south there? I can't think of that right now. But anyway, it was fragmented big time. Well, when it all came together, they were coming on like gangbusters with high-quality products and uh, low prices and so forth, and that was a threat to the British community. Well, uh, you gotta get, get rid of those uh, dirty Germans. Uh, that means you gotta have a war. Well, to have a war, first thing you gotta have is lots of money. And so uh, that's the big object there, the Boer War uh, was the Kimberley Mines and uh, the diamonds and gold and so forth. Yeah, but uh, you can have money and stuff, but unless you got the will of the people, you ain't gonna pull this thing off. So the biggest thing you gotta have, really, uh, is uh, propaganda. See, that's the whole idea of the, uh, of the, the so-called so educational system we have out there today. It is not education, it is propaganda. And indoctrination. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, in 1902, uh, the Boer War came to an end, and so the propaganda machine got going big time of uh, 
painting the picture that those Germans are the worst people in the world. Well, uh, they had to convince the British people that uh, them, them dang Germans is going to come invade England, which is not true at all. Yeah. Well, they spent a ton of money over all these defenses and changing the mindset of the people. And so uh, this gets real complicated now. We're going to be talking about big numbers. We're going to be talking about number 1902 and 1910. That's a big numbers, right? <laughs> well, what happened in 1910 at Jekyll Island, Georgia? Please. <laughs> ah, the Rockefellers and the Morgans, the Warburg and so forth got together down there to come up with a Federal Reserve System. <laughs> Well, uh, the whole object there was they knew that uh, if, to, to, to exterminate uh, that German bunch of people, you got to have a war. Well, that means you got to have an open-ended supply of money. And, of course, uh, these folks that I'm just talking about, uh, the international uh, uh, nations don't mean anything to them at all. All right. No loyalties, right. no loyalties. Now, uh, so the whole object, uh, it, when you put, connect the dots, in my opinion, why did it take place in uh, that 1910 they met and the uh, uh, device they came up with became law in uh, the last week of uh, December 1913? Well, next... Uh, Next week in 1914, isn't it, James? Mm -hmm. Well, son, what happened just seven months later, please? World War One. Well, can't somebody connect the dang dots? Right. <laughs> you got the propaganda there, and you got the money. And so there was no such thing as a world war before this particular time. It was a upheaval of uh yeah. governments right and then you know i'm learning because of you about the boer war and these uh milner and you know natty rothschild yeah. and, um they were legitimately busy working from the 1902 1903 sure. yeah that that was planned executed uh with purpose Right. Yeah, it takes a while to get these ideas through the, the minds of people. Now, uh, uh, you, you'd be amazed at what propaganda we've put in our brains when I was in the fifth and sixth grade in Athens, Georgia. Uh, heavens above. Uh, yeah, it, tell us, tell uh, us about is, the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Barra School in Athens, Georgia. Uh, the building was uh, two wings to it, and uh, it was a, a wide V. Uh, you remember that uh, uh, old Cadillac automobile back there years and years ago on the front? They had that V that was very wide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of where the building was shaped. <laughs> well, where the uh, apex of the, uh, uh, the building was, that was the main entrance to it, and of course, it had entrances on either end of the uh, wings. Well, when you went in the main entrance, uh, there was the principal's office and there was the uh, 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 
the uh, dining area and the restrooms and stuff like that. Well, uh, in the morning, James, uh, when the school started, one of the students that was good with the bugle, he blew reveille. Yeah, that started off the day. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we uh, all sang this little song. Every little lad and lass, boys and girls from every class, here beneath the flag of stripes and stars. From the time they start the school till they learn the golden rule, always have been proud of what they are. And every day when lesson's done, they sing their song, Washington, a song of love that reaches near and far, first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen. That is the story of Washington. That is the glory of Washington. His spirit is here. His spirit is here. He's standing, commanding above. In word and deed, we follow the lead of the father of the land we love. And then we had a pledge of allegiance. And we put our hands over our heart. And uh, you'll have to see this. Uh, we said, then they extended our hands uh, with the palm down. Uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag uh, of the United States so far. Well, that looked an awful lot like Heil Hitler with the hand, hand pointed palm up. And so next year they didn't do that anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. Next year they didn't do that anymore. No. Yeah. Anyway, James, uh, we had aircraft spotters in those days. <laughs> we had blackouts at night. Yeah. Uh, you know, the aircraft spotters were spot, you know, some German airplane going to come over here and bomb Athens, Georgia. Now, you know, Athens, Georgia got to be one of the primary <laughs> military targets in the world. <laughs> did anybody think that was odd at the time? Huh? Did anybody that you know, I mean, did anybody think that was odd at the time? Not really, because you see, you, the, 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 Everything is based on fear. James, they taught us how to put out incendiary bombs with sand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, uh, twice a year, they would have uh, uh, in firepower demonstrations down at Sanford Stadium and on the uh, Georgia campus, whatever. Now, again, uh, you know, Athens, Georgia, being a uh, college town, it had to be the biggest uh, uh, military target you could possibly imagine. But if you, you ever been to Heidelberg, Germany? Not yet. Well, <laughs> uh, that's one of the uh, famous colleges in, in uh, Germany. And, uh, you know, uh, Cologne was totally destroyed except uh, the uh, cathedral there. Mm. And you know what happened in Dresden and so forth. I did. But how many, how many bombs were dropped on Heidelberg, Germany? Zero. <laughs> but, geez, you know, when you look back and see the crazy things that took place, it's unbelievable. And people swallowed all that nonsense.
Yeah. It, well, it, you can see you can see then how uh, things when uh, that war was over, uh, how uh, the ridiculous things took place. But let's go back to uh, World War One uh, there. Uh, you know, the whole idea was to get all get rid of all them damn Germans, uh, so forth. Well. Uh, no, November the 11th, what do we celebrate here in America, huh? Veterans Day today. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it used to be called Armistice Day, but uh, they, they changed the meaning of wor words or changed the words and so forth to make them sound more innocuous and whatever. Well, uh, so no uh, Armistice Day, they laid down their arms. Yeah, but... Uh, when did the peace treaty come? <laughs> In Versailles. Yeah. yeah, seven months later. Well, during that seven months there, the, the armistice was taking place, but the uh, uh, British blockaded all the uh, ports of, of, of Germany, and people were starving to death. thousand calories a day. You ain't going to make it <laughs> on $1,000 uh, calories a day. That's all there is to it. But do our history books in America ever tell you about that, huh? No, 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 no. They perfected the uh, concentration, the British. Yes. Perfected the concentration camps in the Boer War. Sure. Yes. Right. A couple, couple of the facts that what did we do during WW2 to the Japanese, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. American, right. American citizens, but they had the wrong uh, eyes. <laughs> you know, not to mention that, you know, we, we, we uh, had to get rid of the Germans because they're, you know, uh, economic yeah. powerhouse coming on. But somebody made a lot of money in that war, too. Not no, only. that did, did not, not just a little bit. <laughs> That's the whole object is that they make more money off of wars than any other thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and you, so uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the end of World War Two. Uh, see, uh, uh, looking at YouTube's and so forth. Uh, there's this YouTube out there. Uh, Eisenhower's uh, Ryan Meadows uh, death camps, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Meadow. There's no cover at all, and the Ryan is a river there. All right, there's this horde of. Uh, German soldiers there, uh, the war is over. And uh, they're out there starving to death, uh, totally. But our history books won't ever tell you about that, will they? Because we're the guys with the white hats and so forth. Yeah, what is it to the victor, the spoils go right yeah. here? They get yeah. to write history. Yeah, see, that's the reason that uh, revisionist history is so important, is you got to wait till the dust settles and so forth. For instance, um, Go back to my book, uh, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, okay? You remember the 10th chapter, uh, Out of Egypt and On to Babylon? Oh, yeah, that essay. I sure do. All right. Well, uh, you know, uh, all that is, uh, the beginning part of it is coming from uh, uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means what? The second given to the law. All right. Uh, the, uh, the, the detail that's in Deuteronomy is not in Genesis. 
the idea that uh, uh, Pharaoh, uh, during the uh, uh, as a result of Joseph's uh, prediction, uh, he confiscated 20% of the produce of the land uh, during the uh, seven years of uh, fat. And when the seven years of lean came along, he sold back to them that which he stole. Well, what else is new about a government? Huh? Well, they ran out of money. They uh, mortgaged their uh, cattle, which is another form of money. And uh, they run out of cattle, and then they uh, mortgage themselves and ended up being slaves for 420 years. But uh, that is not in Genesis. Uh, it's revisionist history that tells you the truth. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the content, leave us a like or a thumbs up, share us with your friends, give us some feedback, and we'll see you next time.